Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's family and associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. QT the Fed is sucking all of the return from investing in assets. And I would say that I would add to that, that the Fed is also sucking the joy from being involved in markets. And that what I said some months ago was now is a great time to pick up golf remains true, right? It is hard to make money long or short in these markets. That was Gavin and I'm Lucy. Welcome to tomorrow's news. Last week, we talked about you picking up golf. Perhaps some other racket sports would be good at the moment. We talked a little bit about the various global rate hikes and got through the earning results from the big movers and shakers on the S&P. Gavin, you were probably one of maybe many or a few who rightfully predicted that the FOMC would be 75 basis points. Why don't we dive straight in there? Yeah, I'd love to create credit as some great seer, but the market had told you it was going to be 75 basis points. The Wall Street Journal had told you that as well. And once it gets out there, the Fed really doesn't want a surprise. There's no credit there mm-hmm. whatsoever. There were a few people who thought it might be 50. We call them super optimists. Look, at the end of the day, the FMC sort of path was really interesting, right? Because if you only read the statement, And I get up at 4.30 in the morning because the statement comes out at 5 a.m. here. You read the statement. I went, oh, that's a little dovish. And the markets actually rallied. And then 30 minutes later, Jerome Powell comes out. Do think it's important that there's 30 minutes in there? Remember, the Fed votes as a group and then Jerome Powell is the spokesman. He does have a veto power, but he's a spokesman. I think he looks at how the market reacted to the statement. I think he saw a positive response. And then if I were to write down the words of commitment, of doing Mm -hmm. what it takes, staying the course, that was the tone of the press conference Mm. and markets sold off from there. So fortunately, I got away some shorts on the rally and then they turned out okay. But what's the big picture? I think the big picture is the opposite about what I just said about the shorts, although timing is going to be everything here. I think that press conference sucked the last pivot-loving, pivot-expecting investor, it just sucked them right out of the market. They're gone. If you spent your days, and I hope you don't spend your days this way, listening to like podcasts with investors and macro people and economists and whatever, you would see everybody is bearish and nobody is calling for any kind of pivot. And they're now saying, we're going to get Fed funds to 5%. So it's another 125 basis points. And they're going to stay there for a long time. Everybody, there is not a pivot lover amongst them. So the way that markets work, in my view, is you've always got to suck people into whatever the consensus is in order to suck them right out. Because if everything was balanced 50-50, nothing would go up or down, right? We've now sucked everybody in to this view that we're going to see Mm. the Fed tough on inflation, right? There's lots of measures of that. Now, as one wise market guy said, 
people want their recessions faster and faster. And it reminded me, I'm a little bit older, and I probably had my first job in markets in the early 90s. And I remember a guy who would have been quite elderly then, he would have been late 60s, who'd been around a long time as an investor saying, this is the early 1990s, right? There is no internet. And he said, Gavin, boy, it's getting tougher and tougher. Markets just move so fast these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, back then, every trade was entered manually. There was no internet. I used to fax research to institutional fund managers, right? And we were talking about, oh, the markets move so fast. But what I would take away is everything accelerates. So people want their recession faster, but recessions don't go faster. It takes a long time because you build up the excesses and then you got to draw them down. And if you look at household savings and you look at all these things, it takes time. Mm. But people don't spend all their money in a weekend, right? It takes time. So we're in possibly this long period of creating a recession. All of that wouldn't be that profound, but for a couple of things. The problem with inflation and the problem with the Fed funds rate and the problem in the market today is the speed at which change has occurred. If we just raised interest rates 25 basis points and then 50, and then we waited and did this for a while, markets would adjust. People would adjust. Okay. But we've raised interest rates, mind you, from zero, the fastest we've ever done that. That is a massive adjustment. That means that people, be they individuals or corporations, are having to radically and quickly adjust to this new environment. When that happens, and people don't have a lot of time to do that adjusting, things break. So my judgment is that you've now sucked everybody into one trade. And what trade is that? And it's the trade I actually recommend you do for the very near term. It is long, short-dated U.S. dollars. Cash, short six-month treasury notes, two-year treasuries, money market funds in U.S. dollars. It is suck that cash in. And that cash continues to come, and it is going to press into the system to press the U.S. dollar ever higher. The trade that I look at right now is U.S. dollar probably heads to 120, 125 from around about 112. Okay, Now, that's a consensus trade. Everybody is nothing special about that. But what happens then is the break. So you're going to see the blow off high, and it could come really quickly. It could even come between now and November 10th. And from there, you'll see the major crack and the major shift. And the reason you see that major shift is that you're likely to see the accident that happens on the other side. Of course, predicting accidents hard, it may take a long time. But that's the market positioning. I think today you are long cash, DXY or the US dollar heads higher. And then you've got your last seller of everything, buyer of US dollars. What does that mean for the S&P 500? I mean, it is hard to find anyone who would call S&P 500 4150 by year end. I think part of what challenges S&P 500 here is index composition. You've still got a lot of weight around big tech and you are slowly improving the breadth. So my view is I've been recommending small cap, which is the sort of 600 IJT IJR, the Russell, the small cap stocks over the S&P 500 because 
those are more domestically oriented. The U.S. domestic economy is more likely to grow more strongly. And these big cap, mega cap stocks are going to struggle for a little while here. So 500 feels like it wants to go back and retest those lows, call it the 3,500 number, whatever. A lot of people say it's got to be 3,300. Some people say 3,000. I don't think you're going to know until you know. At the end of the day, while Fed funds rates remain high, nothing interesting is happening in terms of performance there. But I do think that underlying relatively benign growth environment will support small cap stocks. And I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that we don't see sort of some kind of soft landing. That's better for financials. That's why JP Morgan's been performing well. And that's better for smaller cap stocks that are domestically oriented. You're better off buying bonds just for the moment. I think that probably the best trade is US money market it's in US dollars, because I think the Australian dollar goes lower. It's in US dollars. And you can six month rates in the US are 4.6%. So you think you'd be crazy to do any other trade but that right now? Well, it sounds like at the moment, no one wants to make any trades or buy any assets with any long-term duration. Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Lucy. And the market's sort of telling you that you're not quite adequately rewarded. There will be a time to do that. I just don't think it's just this minute. The other thing to note for all investors is that while it would be nice to be the guy or woman who says, oh, I bought the X stock or Y index at the exact moment of the exact bottom, the chances of any of us doing that, professional, retail, whomever, is virtually zero. If you think you're going to do well by waiting until the moment that they wave a flag that says bear market over bull market begins, you're definitely setting yourself up for failure. So the best approach, all investors, is to stage investments. I mean, by if I, the, the number one approach I would say to anybody, if you've got $100, you've got $100 million, you're looking to put it to work, is just pick a day and put the same amount to work every week, certainly during this period. That's going to serve you well, right? Because you don't know. And, you know, none of us really knows. I mean, we just have our best judgment, but we're wrong all the time. Mm. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And looking slightly ahead, Al, as you mentioned, is pretty stern with his words. We have ways to go and committing to get it done. What do you think he's going to do? And will the markets really allow him to do what he's planning on doing? That's always the question, right? You kind of look at where U.S. Treasuries are trading two-year Treasuries at 470 now. They're up materially in the last 48 hours. So that is always the challenge. There's what we'd like to do and the path we'd like to take and then what reality presents us. And the Bank of England and the LDI crisis is a great example. So he did make it clear in his press conference that he feels that the Fed has the tools to step in if they need to step in. So I think everybody sort of watches for that. There is a moral hazard there. So he wants to make it as ugly as possible so that people don't overly rely on the Fed backstop. But at the end of the day, I think he feels pretty confident in that regard. Now, we don't want to deal in a whole bunch of sort of one-liners, but as Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. It's great to have that plan, but most usually what happens comes out of left field. 
Mm. It happens very quickly. And while you may even have the plans in the desk drawer and you pull them out, there is always the fog of war element to how that gets executed. It's Mm. not often clean. My best judgment is that the Fed feels that they really know what's going on. But if something bad happens, it's likely something that will be more difficult for them to respond to than what their current playbook allows for. And then I think we need to at least, and again, this is why you're not zero allocated, you're 25% allocated or so, is that we need to allow that the Fed might be right. They may raise rates to 5%, leave them there for a while. The economy continues to grow at pace. People adjust. Savings are used to mitigate some of the other elements of higher costs. Global slowdown means that the cost of goods and services slow. Job openings retreat. So unemployment gradually rises, sort of a Goldilocks, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in that environment, stocks are going to be 25% higher next year. Because remember, the good news that comes after you see Stripe or anybody cutting costs is they're leaner. Mm-hmm. So they cut all those costs. And then as volume comes back, you get the boost in margins as you drive more revenue through a lower fixed cost base. So once you've taken this big bath, if you will, and things get better, you do get a multiplier effect in equity. So it is not a zero probability. On that note of optimism, tell us who's interesting on Twitter we should be looking at for this week. It's such a great question. I hope that I've sent these guys around before, but there's a guy named Luke Gorman who Mm. has been all over a bunch of the nuances around how the Fed is potentially thinking about the whole U.S. Treasury scenario, thinking about the U.S. dollar, thinking about gold, thinking about energy. And I think that's super interesting. Absolutely. We'll include that in our show notes and share it in our WhatsApp groups. (laughs) Thanks so much, Gavin. Always a pleasure to chat. And that's tomorrow's news. We'll be back next week.